Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But have you got a clue? Or are you a big old kook? Since there's a million ways to kook it, you should stick around and learn a few things. Because if you don't know, let me tell you right now that surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all stressed about it, because everyone kooks it once in a while. And that's the reason we started KookCast. Because the more you know, the less you'll kook it. <laughs> so bust out your swimmies and get ready to learn. KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom, one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education resource, thesurfcontinuum.com. This episode of KookCast is sponsored by Surfiers. You know, one of the most pervasive ailments surfers deal with is surfer's ear. It's painful, it's permanent, and it's totally preventable. Fortunately, Surfiers is a company helping you protect yourself. We've been using them for years and trying all different types of earplugs, and we've come to the conclusion that Surfiers are the best ones on the market. So get yourself a pair of plugs and stay healthy. And if you don't have a surf shop that stocks them near you, Head over to their website, surfears.com, and use the code KOOKCAST. One word, all lowercase, for free shipping. The latest videos uploaded to the membership site are some answers I give to uh, some members' questions. One about cultivating style, another about a specific aspect of your paddling technique, and this episode, in video format, of course. All you KOOKCAST fiends got the opportunity to watch and hear this coming episode on the site over a week ago. And today's episode is with Kate Lawson, a humble and lifelong surfer that's a total ripper. And she was kind enough to spend some time telling me a little bit about her upbringing as a surfer from childhood till present, how she discovered the powerful benefits of yoga for her surfing, and how she's combining surfing and yoga to create a enriched, fulfilling life in Puerto Rico. Make sure you check out her website, sunburntandsalty.com. I really enjoyed speaking with Kate, and I know you guys will too, so let's jump right in, starting from the beginning of her surfing journey. So I feel like I'm pretty lucky because my dad is a surfer, <laughs> so ah. um, a lot of my earliest memories were going down to the beach with my dad and my mom, and I'd play in the tide pools and you know watch my dad surf. And um, I used to love to boogie board, so I would like play on the boogie and the white water and would catch waves, you know, and um, he would push me on his surfboard sometimes. And I'd bring, um, he had this, we still actually have the board. It's like a 411 single fin bing, like so wide, I couldn't hold it underneath my arm, like this little flying saucer. And I would surf on that board. Um, and it was just something we always did you know, we did as a family. So it was almost like normal for me to be around it. Um, and then I think, well, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I must've been like eight or something. And um, one of my dad's friends that he surfed with a woman, one of the only woman female surfers in where I grew up in Hilton Head in South Carolina. And um, she and my dad are good friends. And she stopped by his workshop one day where I was you know, hanging out and she brought a copy of a Wahini magazine. There used to be a magazine called Wahini. And, um, you know, before that, like I had watched Gidget and other than that, seeing this woman, Nancy surf, I didn't really know much about like other girls surfing. 
And I remember like looking through that magazine and actually coming across the spread of Lisa Anderson, like ripping a turn. And it was just something about seeing that, that I was like, this is like what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, this is rad. So I started to get super into it. And my dad was stoked because, you know, obviously he'd take me surfing and we'd surf together. And um, so I, I'm lucky that I had my dad and my mom, of course, who is super supportive about it. And like where I grew up, we didn't have a whole lot of surf. I mean, I grew up at the beach, so luckily I had an ocean, but we'd go on, you know, weekends, we'd go up to Charleston, South Carolina and surf. We'd drive down to Jacksonville, Florida and surf. And um, I started getting into competitions just as a way to keep surfing and meet friends. And they were super into it too. Um, so I feel really lucky that I had that encouragement and, you know, my dad loved surfing too. So it was just something we got to do together and it kept us close, you know, especially as I went into my teenage years, <laughs> we had a lot of good, like heart to heart conversations out in the water where, you know, he'd like kind of lecture me, but in a way where it like really like landed and, um, that, that always stood out and, yeah, they've been my biggest supporters my whole life. Um, you know, I decided where to go to college based on being close to the ocean and waves. And, you know, I always say that surfing's helped make most of my major decisions in life and it hasn't led me anywhere wrong yet. So I'm going to keep leaning into that. Um, but I feel, I do feel really lucky that I had that encouragement and support from a really young age. Um, because, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's it's challenging not only to begin, but then to stay consistent with it, depending on where you mm. live or how close you are to the beach. So I got lucky with that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really sweet to hear. That's like pretty much ideal, I guess, um, like in terms of being introduced to surfing. Um, what about your mom? Did she surf or was she just kind of like your cheerleader or supporter? Yeah, she, she actually grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and she grew up surfing too and was into it. Um, she's an athlete, like she's just a really talented athlete and she loves tennis. That's always kind of been her thing is playing tennis. And um, she taught like cardio kickboxing. So she, she kind of like got out of surfing for a while. She had um, an issue with her arm when she was a little bit younger before I was born that I think has kept her out of the water from paddling a little bit. Um, but she loves the ocean. She loves the beach. She loves competition. So she loved like watching me surf and taking me to contests and she'd always like film and take video so we could watch it back and like, you know, I could work on things. And um, so she's always loved being around it. She just doesn't surf anymore but she loves it. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, what I really like, well, what I'd like to just talk more about, one thing I hear a lot about from, from listeners is just, especially from adults who are beginning, is female surfers, and they want to hear more from female surfers. So I just wonder what it was like for you. I mean, since it was your father, there was probably not much of that energy, like male, female, it didn't matter so much. But you know, you did mention like seeing Lisa Anderson in that magazine kind of like triggered something in you, like whatever it was, you know, women can do this too or something like that. But did you, I don't know, what, like did you have any feelings about that when you were young or did, was that not really on mind or just regarding like being a female surfer and kind of recognizing like, wow, but it's all men, including like my dad and 
when you went surfing is a lot of, it's like a male dominated sport, especially when we were younger. I think it's kind of changing now, but uh, yeah. when we were growing up, like it was all boys and men surfing. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I remember like they didn't make wetsuits for little girls when I was growing up. So I had like, you know, right. little boy wetsuits and it's crazy to see now. It's awesome to see how far it's come with like, you know, Roxy and all these brands um, creating surf gear for women. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, obviously when you're a kid, you don't think about it too much, but I was lucky that I had Nancy, my dad's really close, really close family friend. She's like an aunt to me. Um, so I always was out there surfing with her and it was always super cool and encouraging. Um, seeing that photo of Lisa Anderson, I think what really stood out to me, cause I remember my dad being like, yeah, she's from Flagler beach. Like she's from Florida. And I remember thinking just cause I was an East coast surfer, like there's no way I'll, you know, I could do anything with surfing. Like I'm from the East coast. And then I started learning about her and Frida Zamba and Karina Petroni and all these, you know, women from the East coast that were making their name and, and surfing. Um, but yeah, growing up, I always surfed with guys, especially older men, my dad's friends. Um, and then, uh, I think once I started doing like the ESA and the NSSA, there would be other girls, but even in my age group, it was like 18 and under for the, for girls, you know, they didn't have any, it wasn't divided up much between age, but there'd only be like two or three girls in the whole event for that age group. So it was like, you know, a final, um, just a couple of girls and I think the competition helped me to see other women surfing and connect with other women um one of my first contests was the east coast Swahili championships which I think they're still doing in Wrightsville Beach North Carolina and that was super cool because it was a all girls event um I remember meeting girls from all up and down the east coast that was really cool to see so it always was something that I knew you know like not many girls, not many women surfed. It wasn't like a cool thing yet when I was growing up. But um, again, I'm pretty lucky that I was surrounded by so many like encouraging and positive people. Like I was always told I could do anything that the boys could do from a young age. Um, but then, it, you know, when you start traveling and go to other places and you definitely get that, like, I don't want to say it's just like male ego, but there was like, um, you know, it could be intense in some lineups around, especially, you know, so you start going to California and other places around the world. And um, there were a few times maybe I felt like out of place or like I didn't belong or maybe like I wasn't good enough. Um, but then luckily I had kind of my little crew of girls that I would compete with and surf with. And um, it never really phased me or it was never something that I thought was like, an issue, I would say. It's definitely been really cool to watch how much, I mean, I think Blue Crush helped a lot, you know, like, yeah. really, I think that Believe helped. it or not, you're right, yeah. yeah. Well, as I Hollywood remember, as it was, yeah. I think it was still really beneficial to the the girl empowerment and attitude yeah. to just be like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, get out there and do it. Yeah, because I was, gosh, I don't remember how old I was when that movie came out, but it was, during one of those East Coast Wahini championships and they rented out a whole movie theater. So all the girls in the contest watched it and it was like, everyone was cheering and hooting and hollering and it was like so rad. So that definitely helped. I definitely noticed more, more girls, more women. 
Um, you know, I have friends growing up that wanted to try surfing, but I think because where we lived in South Carolina, it wasn't consistent. So it's easy to just fall out of it because you're not doing it regularly. Um, and, you know, then I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and there was definitely more women out in the lineup regularly there. And I was like, okay, this is super cool. You know, I've got girls to surf with it. I think it just creates a nice balance in the water as well. When you have both men and women out there, like in all ages sharing waves. Uh, but honestly, being in Puerto Rico now has been like one of the coolest experiences as a female surfer, because there are so many women here and young girls that surf that oftentimes you'll be in the lineup and I'll look around and be like, whoa, like the girls outnum outnumber the boys right now. And, um, it's really cool to see. It's, it's super rad. And I think too, for like little boys to see like these girls surfing alongside them and charging and pushing them. It's like, you know, the ocean is like the great equalizer. Like we're all, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. maybe people have more experience, but it doesn't matter if you're male or female. Like if you're in the right, wrong spot right. at the wrong time, you're going to get pounded and you know, right. <laughs> there's no way <laughs> I love that. Well, like, I yeah. think it just speaks a lot to you and like your contribution to like every individual female makes the the movement, you know, and like all these little steps, the movie and the contests and seeing the other women and persevering. It's really like where it is today is because of all these things, including yourself. So it's just I just love capturing this because I this is what I want listeners to hear, you know, as both the men and the women, but especially the, the women, you know, I want that, like, I want this to kind of rub off on them and be like, yeah, it, you deserve to be out there as equal. And it's really not about strength and surfing as much about technique and experience. And that is totally genderless, you know, like, so get out there, never mind like what the ratio is, but you know, if you notice that there's a ton of women, epic. Um, but like, it, and, and not to mention, I mean, it's, I think it's an opinion of a lot of people that, just the sport of surfing, the art of it, is so suited to the female form. You know, it's so elegant and graceful. And women do a really great job of like capturing that where men kind of get a little too aggro, too like, or they can, not every single one of course, but like they can be a little like overdoing it, like over muscling it and it doesn't look as good. You know, whereas like when a, when a, a, a really experienced good female surfer or even not experienced just somebody who knows how to just stand there and go with the flow it's just so beautiful you know it really is and anyway just it's just such a good thing for the women listeners to hear like one more little seed planted you know and just let that grow and develop and make sure that we're i want to I, I also want to be part of that cultivation of like the women's spirit you know because i think yeah. it's important that everybody feels it um, yeah. So another thing yeah. that I really liked that you said was um, when you were talking about learning how to surf when you were young, boogie boarding. And that's something that we talk about all the time on the show. Um, me and my partner, when we do our kind of back and forth episodes about a, like a listener requested topic or something like that, um, it comes up so often where, okay, so this is a learn, quote unquote, learn to surf kind of a podcast, you know, and like, talk about technique, talk about how to do stuff, all these different approaches to improving yourself. And one thing that always comes up is boogie boarding. Like, don't skip that step. You know, don't look at the ocean and be like, oh, there's only shore pound. I guess I can't go surfing today. It's like, whoa, no way. That's literally the introduction, maybe only after body surfing and just right. getting whomped in the, you know, onto the sand. But like, that's what I did for years. 
And I really, and a lot of people say it, like people like yourself who are really great experienced surfers kind of don't even realize that they reference boogie boarding and how important that was to your journey and where you are now. And just all the little things, the setting the rail, the learning how to roll with the wave, you know, punching through, timing, when do you jump off the bottom when the wave's approaching you, like all that stuff is, has such a huge impact on your um, just learning to surf, you know, and, yeah. and carrying it over to a surfboard that you stand on. There really isn't yeah. much difference except what you ultimately do once you're yeah. on the wave. And I still ride a boogie board, you know, from time to time. I think there's so much fun. And like you said, maybe you're somewhere like, especially here in the summer, it's like little shore pound or it's break, you know, small and like breaking close in on the reef. Like I'll grab a boogie and some fins and it's like, I'm back to being a little kid again, you know, just the, the thrill of riding a wave and feeling that feeling and um, just being in the ocean, like no matter what. And I tell people this all the time too. I'm like, you can get out there and like physically surf, but just like watching waves and being around waves and like noticing it's like, that's some of the, the times I've learned the most is just sitting and watching waves break and playing in the waves. Like you said, body surfing. I mean, that's, the ultimate connection with a wave you have no other equipment just you um so yeah I love I I don't turn my nose up to any board or equipment I'll ride boogies <laughs> soft tops long boards short boards body surf my dad started making like surf mats um like they used to ride back oh, in cool. the day yeah so like yeah. I'm like I'll ride anything you know I'll even try and catch a wave on a paddle board if that's all I have and you know. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's it's just it's so good for you to say that stuff and just basically you know let me just say to the listeners right now i did not prep you i didn't tell you to say these things like these are what experienced surfers did like people that you look at and admire and wish you could be they also will get on a mat they'll also get on a boogie board they're all you know whatever it is it's riding waves it's that connection so thank you for that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um oh it's all good stuff um, so, okay, another question I really enjoy asking because it always kind of surprises me and maybe you have an answer to it, maybe it won't come to you right away, maybe it'll be later, but what about fears in surfing? Maybe it's something that you had in the past and learned how to get over just through experience and constantly facing, or maybe it's something you still deal with now, um, but do you have any, any fears that come to mind? Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think when people see me today or my Instagram or whatever, I think people maybe assume that I'm like really fearless, um, but I am not. I'm like extremely cautious. I'm extremely calculated. I've been that way my whole life since I was a little kid. Um, and, you know, I think this is why surfing has become such a passion of mine and why I do enjoy sharing it with other people is because like you face your fears in the ocean <laughs> and like a lot of times there's no way around them. Like you have to deal with it. You can't like run away and hide. Um, for me, it's I think because I grew up somewhere with small little waves, East Coast, gutless waves. Um, big waves, powerful waves have always been something I've been afraid of, which I think is normal. And it's good to have a, a good dose of respect and humility with the ocean. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, like, where I'm at now, there's a lot of times, especially traveling and, and here in Puerto Rico, where 
the waves are big and I know I have the ability, but at the same time, there's a lot of fear and doubt and um, worst case scenarios running through my head. That's I let hold me back a lot of times. And it's something I've been working on more recently, consciously. Um, as a kid, I have a few memories of um, one time in Costa Rica with my dad, you know, I'd always ride a boogie in Costa Rica because I was scared of like fiberglass board and fins and the boogie was just so much more fun, but I wanted to start surfing and try, you know, riding like, you know, surfboard out there. And um, we were just out one day at Playa Grande and the waves were beautiful and it was fun. And then one of those kind of rogue freak sets came through and I didn't know how to duck dive then. And I just got pounded and washed back in the shore. And that that's something that's always stood out. Um, I had a few moments like that in Costa Rica as a kid that I don't want to say like traumatized me, but maybe did to the point where I'd go out and like, you know, waist, chest high, head high waves at home. And I'd start freaking out. And my dad would be like, what? You got this. Like you do this all the time. <laughs> so it's been yeah, something yeah. I've been slowly working on my whole life and um you know dedicating my time to to traveling and surfing um has helped i feel like every time you go out on a day that's maybe like a little bit outside your comfort zone it's like you gain that extra little step you're like okay i survived i got waves i didn't die like all right next time you can push a little bit further so taking that step-by-step -step approach um but yeah, I still deal with it a lot. Pretty much every swell here, <laughs> every big swell we get yeah. here. Anytime I travel, um, you know, I've, I'm fortunate. I got to spend a good chunk of time in, in Indonesia and Bali and a few islands around there. And I mean, it's just always intimidating. Um, yeah, I'd imagine. So it, I wouldn't say it's like a fear I've conquered, but definitely through like my yoga practice and breath work and meditation and visualization and exposure just getting out in those conditions i feel like i've made steps and you know i've surfed waves i never thought i would ever be able to surf but then that's like the beautiful thing about surfing you're like well what's next like now i want to mm. go bigger now i want gnarlier like i want to be deeper um so I, I don't think that's a fear i'm ever going to get over and i think you know you listen to a lot of like pro surfers or big wave surfers and they they admit that too like the fear is always there. It's just learning how to work with it and overcome it mm -hmm. and trust yourself while still staying humble and obviously not doing anything too reckless or like too outside your skill level. Um, but yeah, my fears have always been around just like, I don't know what it is. It's like not just big waves, but I don't know. It's not even catching big waves. It's like getting caught in the wrong spot when like taking waves right on the head or maybe being held under for a long time. Of course, you know, like drowning is always in the back of your mind of if the waves are, especially if the waves are heavy. Um, but then a lot of it I've learned like surfing. I think Jerry Lopez said, you know, surfing is like such a, a perfect metaphor for life. Um, a lot of it I've realized is, is to me like doubting myself before I even try. Um, so it's been mm -hmm. a really good practice, like not only in the ocean of like, okay, you got this trust yourself, you're going to be fine. And then realizing how much on land that I do that too. <laughs> and like, you know, can I tackle the, the set waves of life as well? And in the ocean too. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I, I, well, first, you know, I, I, I want to get into the yoga and, and what you do uh, personally and, and for a living. But before I do, I really love the way you answer that question. It was so insightful because it basically was more of like a description of managing something we all deal with. You know, like I kind of pose that question as a do you or don't you fear, but in the back of my head, knowing damn well we all have fears, you know, and, and definitely big waves is one of them. But that was just such a nice way to hear about it as like, it's your journey. It's, it's the kind, it's the thing that keeps you in check. And it's that fine balance that we have to play, you know, like you do want to push the limit a little bit, but that makes you afraid. But the fear is what makes you not push it too far. So you don't get yourself in real trouble, right? you know, and, and a little bit of trouble and a little bit of fear is okay, you know, and that's, where like you find out from yourself that, whoa, I, I'm capable, you know, and, and you get better and there's the, the progression. So that's like, that's the friction we need in our life, you know, whether it's in the water or on land to show us like how to grow. Um, exactly. That was really, that was really cool. But so then you said, you know, something about like your visualization and breath work and yoga. So that, that brings up like what you do um, with your brand and your business, Sunburnt and Salty, right? Um, can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So yoga came into my life much later on. Um, you know, I've been surfing my whole life. Yoga. I was always an athlete. I played soccer, basketball. I was a runner, um, but never was into stretching. Didn't know anything about mindfulness, meditation. Um, and it's kind of funny how yoga came into my life. It was thanks to my 21st birthday. I was out in high heels at a bar in Jacksonville and I fell <laughs> and I tore, I ended up tearing my MCL because of that. And uh, oh, wow. that was one of like my worst injuries I've ever had. You know, I couldn't, well, I was a waitress, you know, I was working, going through school. So I couldn't work cause I, I couldn't be on my feet. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't surf, I couldn't ride my bike, I couldn't run, I couldn't do all these things that I love to do that I always took for granted. Um, and luckily I didn't need surgery, but I had about three months of physical therapy, worked with a really great physical therapist. And towards the end of that, both him and one of my really good friends, Callie, I, I don't know if she'll listen to this, but she does. Thanks, Callie. Um, she, they both encouraged me, they're like, you should try, you know, yoga to help like get your range of motion back. and um, cause I was, I've always been like really tight. Like even as a kid, I couldn't touch my toes. I was not ever like a flexible, naturally bendy, flexible kid or anything. Uh, and I just thought that's how I was, you know? And, uh, so I went to a yoga class and luckily my friend Callie picked a power yoga class. You know, in my mind, I was like, yoga was like for people who have a lot of money and they just want to pay someone to stretch and wear a Lululemon and whatever it's like yoga is too slow too boring like it's whatever and then she took took me to that power yoga class which like kicked my butt and I think because I was an athlete having something that was so challenging like that I was like oh this is kind of cool and um and I do remember that very you know our teacher brought us into shavasana which is like the final kind of resting pose after your practice which now I understand that's kind of where everything integrates, like the, the mindfulness, the breathing, the movement, that's where it all kind of like lands in your body. Like for people who train, like Shavasana is where like the games happen, you know? And I remember laying there and just, I had this feeling come over me and it was kind of that same feeling like after a really good wave or like a really good session, you know, just like that 
like deep joy and bliss and like gratitude for life. And I was just kind of like, that's trippy. Like, I didn't think I could get that feeling from something other than like surfing. Um, so I got obsessed and I was going like every day to yoga. I mean, I, I'll never forget like the class when I like touch my toes for the first time. And I'm 22 years old at this point. And I'm like, you know, I thought I was never in my life going to be able to touch my toes. And then things like, you know, things that maybe people who practice yoga regularly don't think are a big deal, but like holding a down dog for a while or like getting my head off of the ground and wheel like in a back bend. Um, all of a sudden I started watching like my body physically change. And the, I think the physical changes are happen quick and are most noticeable, you know, obviously having that mobility, I was like, my pop-ups were faster. I was like tuned into my body more. I definitely noticed it like in my surfing a lot. Um, but then I think the mental and emotional stuff starts, it's a little bit more subtle, some of those shifts. And similar to surfing, you know, I, I like to say like surfing was my yoga before I knew what yoga was. Cause I was having all these experiences, but I wasn't registering them, you know, okay. Because I was young or whatever, as you get into your twenties, you're like figuring out life and who you are and like, you know, but, um, it was like, it was like surfing, you know, like watching my body change, watching myself do a 90 minute power yoga class where I never thought I would last. Like it was that capability where I was like, Whoa, you know, I'm not like stuck in any one certain way. Like, I can adapt, I can change, I can learn things, I can grow, I can, you know, do things that I never thought maybe were possible. Um, and then luckily my teacher encouraged me um, to do a 200 hour training through the, the studio I had been practicing at, you know, towards the end of my college and all that. And um, I did it, not thinking I'd wanna teach, just like, you know, this could be a cool experience to learn more about yoga and learn more about myself. and. Um, once I did that training, I was just kind of like, I have to share this with people. Like this is, this is too powerful to not share it with people. And the practices and the tools and the techniques, like you don't need anything to, to do it, you know, like mindfulness, breathing, body awareness, like all that stuff. We like, we carry that with us, you know, like, yeah, maybe you have a yoga mat to do your asana and your postures, but you don't need any tools to practice yoga. It's something we do every day, you know, every moment, like surfing is yoga, cleaning the house is yoga, running errands is yoga. Like it's, it's a way of living. And um, when I started to kind of bring the two together, you know, and there's a lot of pro surfers that I admire who are yogis, like Jerry Lopez is one. Um, Rochelle Ballard is another, you know, I've always looked up to Rochelle. She's always, been a yoga advocate, had a strong practice, talked about how the two kind of influenced each other. And, um, you know, once I started feeling that in myself, it was just like, not only did my surfing really improve, but my confidence improved as well. And um, I think just my mindset to kind of like, take on challenges and overcome things. And like we were saying, like not letting the fear totally like rule my life, but like acknowledging when fear shows up and like, okay, well maybe this is means it's something I should try or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I started teaching after that 200 hour training. I also moved to Puerto Rico shortly after that, which 
um, I think helped my surfing a little bit as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I'm, I'm dedicated, you know, I used to think yoga was stupid and now it's my passion as well. It's something I've dedicated a lot of my time to studying and learning and practicing and sharing with whoever is willing to listen or practice with me. Um, but yeah, personally, like for just for me as a human and also for my surfing, yoga has supported that and enhanced that like more than I could have imagined. So I, I, I can totally see that. I had my own like kind of stints with it. I ask myself all the time, why am I not as dedicated as I was at my most dedicated time? In addition to all the other simple things you can do to improve your life, like go to bed early and drink water. <laughs> but uh, it's funny how the simple things just are easy to not do. But that being said, um, what I, I want to learn more about too, and I want the listeners to hear is what you're doing now with it, because I'm on your email list and that's kind of what triggered me to like reach out to you. Um, you know, Blaine is actually the one big shout out to him for like, you know, just saying like, Hey dude, you should, you should get on her email list and see what she does. You guys have a similar like approach to, you know, running your brand and, and whatever. And he's like spot on. It, he, you do a great job with your emails. Um, oh, so like what can people, wh how, what can they get? I want them to subscribe to you or what, what do you want people to do? Like how do you want to bring people into your world and share this with them? Um, you know, my goal, well, my, my, I guess my own personal perspective with a yoga practice has shifted a lot. You know, where I'm probably... I'm about to be 33. So it's been over 10 years since my little injury, <laughs> 21st birthday injury happened. And now I've been practicing yoga for also for 11, 12 years now, consistently. And um, as I mentioned, when I started out, I was super into the power yoga, because it was challenging, and it pushed me and it's great, like power yoga is great. Um, but over the last few years, I've also become more interested in the therapeutic approach to the practice. And just how um, yoga really is, you know, the, the asana and the postures are great, but that's just one small part. That's one limb of what the practice is. And there's so many applications of a yoga practice. And um, I think my goal with it now is really trying to share with people that yoga is super accessible. Um, you don't need to do fancy poses. You don't need any certain mats or clothes to do it. It's something that Ideally, you just incorporate effortlessly into life. And, um, you know, I'm still so I'm, I'm still working towards my 500 hour training. And um, I'm working towards becoming a therapeutic specialist with a school called yoga medicine. Um, the head teacher, Tiffany Cruikshank, she's phenomenal. She's got a background in, um, you know, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and she helped Nike set up their whole yoga acupuncture program. Um, so I've really like taken an, an interest in learning about the therapeutics and using yoga as a practice to enhance my surfing, um, to ideally keep minimal injuries from happening so that I can keep surfing for as long as I can, you know, surfing something I want to do my whole life. <laughs> my dad's 70, he still surfs. So that's like my goal is that longevity, um, using the practice as well for like working through some of the mental chatter that keeps, you know, whether it's me holding myself back or doubting myself. Um, and these are all just tools I want to share with other people. Um, so 
a goal I've had, summer in Salt Sea is ever evolving, <laughs> ever changing. Yeah, people, people call it I a get business, that. and I'm like, I don't even feel like it's a business. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> but my goal, so what? What I've really kind of gotten clear about though is I'd like to start, um, you know, not sharing through my Instagram, my newsletter too, but having like videos on my website that are short, you know, five minutes to 30 minutes, because an hour to do yoga is great. But the reality of it is most of us don't have an hour a day to tune everything else out. And making the practice accessible for people to use it in however way they want, whether it's just to feel good every day or to move their body, or maybe it's for surfers or, you know, working through all the obstacles and challenges of life. Um, so for me, it's just sharing all that I've been learning and, and what's helped me and worked for me and hoping that um, maybe at least one person, it'll benefit them or, you know, because these tools that's... have been so profound that it's like I mentioned before, it's like, I can't not share it. I don't have a business brain. I'm not like <laughs> all this stuff is, is the business side and, and the planning thing is not my strong part, but I hope that as I continue to evolve and, and write and share and teach and learn that I can keep sharing these like easily digestible, easily accessible tools and practices with people to just enhance life, you know, because life's not easy for anybody. <laughs> and, hmm. um, and, and the practice works, you know, it, these tools work something just like taking a few slow, deep, mindful breaths, like it's amazing how much better do you feel after you just pause and relax your shoulders and breathe? And um, like mm. you said, it's the simple stuff really that, that has the most effect. And um, yeah, you don't need a lot of time for it to be effective either. I, um, I definitely would encourage like the short videos is so smart because I find like with, you know, reels, stories, whatever, all these things that we watch and how easy it is to go buy it it really, it's great when it's something that is digestible. Like when you look at the timeline on the, the video and you see like, oh, four minutes to do this little routine. Okay, I can do that. But when it's like, even even I would say 20 minutes is almost too long for people nowadays and, and phones and computers. Like it's almost like they don't, they won't do it at all if it looks that long. Whereas if it's just a few minutes, it's like, okay, I can do that. And that's 100% better than nothing at all. You know, just doing something. So I would, I think that's such a smart tactic to take like, you know, these little doses, like maybe one little stretch, one little this, this is great for this here. It takes 30 seconds. And I, that's just so smart because I catch myself, like I see something, I'm like, oh, I'm interested. And then I see it's a five minute video and I'm like, ah, eh, never mind. <laughs> you know, or like five minutes, I don't have five minutes to do something good for myself. And like, that's pretty pathetic, but it goes to show what are like, what's happening to our minds nowadays, you know, and how yeah. these doses have to be really small to capture people. Yeah. But you were saying how like, yo, you're not all that great at it and you don't have the business mind, but you definitely had me fooled because I think that <laughs> newsletter is beautiful. It's really Thank well you. written all the time. Thanks. So, um, so what's the best way for people to sign up to it is like through, can they do it on your Instagram or just go to straight to your website? Yeah, the, there's a link through my Instagram, like my link in bio. There's a link to sign up um, on my website as well, sunburntandsalty.com. There's like um, a pop-up and if you scroll down to the bottom, they could sign up for it and... Um, yeah, if any of your listeners have any uh, requests or suggestions too, 
I'm always open because coming up with ideas is sometimes the struggle. So feel free to like yeah. message me I questions. I totally get that. Um, you know, that's, that's yeah. such a, you hit a good point there is like, I think especially when you do something for a while, you start to take for granted the simple stuff that yeah. actually is so valuable to a beginner or a newcomer. Like, you know, I mean, really simple. Like, for example, when I'm teaching, I'm like rushing out to get into the water. Well, not rushing, but I'm just kind of rushing off past that shore pound to jump right. in. And then I look back and I see them like kind of struggling with that. Like, when do I lurch? When do I go? Right. How do I jump over waves? And it's like, wow, hold on a second. Back it up. We need to go stand in waist deep water and jump over 20 waves and learn how to use your board as a platform to just get yourself over a wave. Like, holy cow, bring it back. Because we've been doing these things for so long now right. that it's just easy to overlook the simple stuff. So it's definitely a good idea to listen to the people, yeah. hear what they have to say and what they want to know. It gives, it gives the ideas because like you said, the hardest part is like, what do I It's hard. You start feeling like you did it all. You know, right, like you, right. you made a video for everything already. Yeah, um, no, that's such a good point, because especially with yoga, I find like I want to do things. I don't know, even just planning classes or little sequences and start making things all complicated. And I think they got to look fancy or whatever. And I'm like, no, like the, the basics, like the simple things, right. the basics, that's what works. You know, all this right. extra is like fluff, you know. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah and it's all reminder. founded on the basics anyway. Like even the, you know, when you do get to that level, then you can really appreciate and see how the basics are the support of it all. Exactly. You know, and any expert and anybody who's doing something great is doing the basics really great, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what makes them so good, makes them so stylish, makes them so proficient looking is just like excellent basics, excellent absolutely. fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, all right, I'm going to let you go. I won't hang you on too long, but one last thing I, I love to ask this question and sometimes yeah. I forget, but Hey, what's your kookiest moment? You got one for the KookCast? Oh it is KookCast after all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And I know you had a f couple of funny stories in the fear segment, you know, but yeah. um, I'm sure someone with your level of commitment and, and having surfed as long as you have gotten yourself into some funny moments that yeah. the, the beginner surfers will love to hear. I mean, honestly, I probably have too many to count or too many to remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one that like popped straight into my head actually happened last summer. I was in, uh, in Pavones, which for anyone that isn't familiar, it's a beautiful left, long left-hand point break in Southern Costa Rica. And um, you you know, it's a it's a really long wave, it's beautiful. But to paddle out, you, you walk up top and you hop out at the river and you gotta time it between sets and then you're right there at the top of the point. And the idea being you catch a wave, you ride it all the way down to the bottom of the point, and then you get out and walk back up because the current is so strong and the waves swell sweeping down, um, sweeping down the, the cobblestones there at that point. Um, and if anyone's been there, they know that there's like a wall right on the beach where everyone sits and watches and hoots and hollers and which is always a little intimidating anyways. And you know, like there's a lot of people watching you, <laughs> but uh, I, horribly mistimed the paddle out so badly that I didn't make it out I got swept all the way down the point with everyone watching me <laughs> uh, and I was so embarrassed that I didn't want to come in and walk back up and reset so I made the long paddle all the way back up to the top which probably takes like I don't know 30 minutes of just paddling against like river rapids um, so personally that was probably something very embarrassing that I'll never forget and a good reminder to 
don't get too antsy. <laughs> like, watch right, the set, right. time your throttle uh, out. Um, gosh. Oh, that's yeah. funny. But you know what? That's nothing. That's like, that's a great surfer's experience. Yeah, like, I mean, you, people saying, mistime like, it, and then you paddle back up to the top. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I what a like redemption, though, to paddle back. Kind of thing. Like, oh, look at this girl. She's, you know, didn't know what she's doing or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, that yeah, was all in your head. I no, mean, that. Yeah. I always do kooky stuff. I mean, that's the point of like, you know, being a surfer is not supposed to be so serious. Some people make it like it's so freaking serious. And like, we're all out here because it's fun. And like, we're enjoying ourselves, you know, like we got to be able to laugh at ourselves and be goofy and like, I don't know, do funny little kickouts or like if you eat it, like own it and come up and laugh about it. Like, it's not a big deal. So. <laughs> right yeah the best surfer is the one having the most fun <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. uh, well thanks for taking the time today i really appreciate it it's, it's so nice to hear from such an accomplished surfer that's super humble too and uh it's it's good it's good for all the listeners to hear well thanks so much for having me i'm uh, honored to be on here and yeah look forward to maybe surfing together this winter I know. Hopefully I make it down to Puerto Rico this winter. It's like always a hit or miss kind of thing with me, like just depending upon what's going on in life, you know, but when it's when it's like the opportunities there, I'm on it. I love yeah. it so much down there. It's always going to be like kind of like a, a comfortable second, like I wouldn't call it a second home per se, but it just there's a connection for me because it was the first place I traveled to that I was intimidated by, you know, when I was a Grom and it was just like, whoa, like new place, bigger waves, reef, you know, don't touch the bottom and all yeah. these kinds of new elements to surfing. So I just I really enjoy it and I feel I feel good going back there whenever I can. Uh, so yeah, hopefully this winter it'd be great to get a surfing. Definitely. Thanks so much, Kate. Well, thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> See ya. You too. Bye.